0: Relevant content for our members, by our members. This is TMC Connect. All right, well, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, in the interest of time, I want to thank everyone uh, for joining us for the last week in mortgage today, uh, our weekly uh, whirlwind through all things in the mortgage industry. Each week, I pick uh Special co-host from our Lender Member Network. And uh, this week, I am uh, pleased to be joined by Marie Gaio, now working double duty as the president of Trident Mortgage Services and also the chief diversity officer for the whole Berkshire Hathaway Home Services group. Marie, thanks for joining us.
1: Glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. I want to get into your new role, um, your new added role, in a little bit here, just because, uh, as I've noted before, a lot of members that are, um, you know, have asked questions. A lot of dialogue around that chief diversity officer role. Um, lenders wondering: when do I need one? Um, I have somebody kind of operating in that role. You know, how should it be structured? What should be the main objectives for a position like that? So, we'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, let's go ahead and start with some of the news of the last week. Not a lot of big news headlines in the last week. Um, you know, I think the the biggest headline in general just continues to be volume. Uh, It really does not let up. Uh, I don't know how many times I've seen mortgage rates have hit a new record low in in the headline of a column these last few months, but uh, you guys got to be just rocky, right? No let up, right?
1: It has not let up, I'll tell you that. Um, You know, and it's a great problem to have because you always have to kind of think back to those cycles, let's say, um, a la 2014, 2018. Where um, the volume's just not there. Um, so we expect volume and margins to continue to be strong um, and expect that through the end of the year. Um, you know, outside of the geopolitical factors such as the election, um, the economy has quite a ways to go as far as recovery. So that's how we're positioning it. Um, you know, we're still see- seeing daily lock sheets coming in pre- pre- pretty strong. Um, you know, it was tougher in the beginning of COVID for us um, with PA uh, being shut down. And as um, is, is some of you may or may not know, we're, we're really housed in that Philadelphia market. Um, you know, we are the in-house lender for Berkshire Hathaway Home Services and Fox and & Roach Realtors. So, um, you know, we have about 6,500, maybe close to 7,000 real estate agents in our market. And um, from a mortgage company perspective, you know, we've We've really been doing about two billion in volume on average within a 60 to 75 um, mile radius. So, um, wow. with that, PA is a very big market for us. It was shut down for non-essential business, um, i.e., real estate. Um, however, mortgage financing was considered um, essential business, and you know, uh, during that time, you know, purchase activity really, really slowed down. But um, we were fortunate because on the other side of the fence, we were nicely supplemented by the swell of refis.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we have a few real estate-owned mortgage companies as members and some, you know, I guess the approach to refi business is a little different with all of them. Um, but I, I know you guys have, you believe that's part of your business and, and work really hard to earn that refinance opportunity out past uh, clients.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, we're fortunate we have a, a great sales team. Um, our mortgage consultants get after the business, um, you know, where they can. Um, they're still, they try to stay in touch with our customers um, via, via the CRM that we use. Also just, um, you know, building relationships as well. And, uh, you know, we have a extensive database of clients that goes back well over 10 years. So we're able to tap into that and um, that's really produced a whole lot of opportunities for us. Um, You know, and we're also able to leverage some lead generation tools to help um, call that pipeline. Uh, We're also, we also embarked on, you know, a pretty aggressive radio marketing strategy, even through COVID in the last year so it's really kind of pinging most of these consumers out there that are looking to refi or, or purchase and, you know, um, you know, upgrade at this point, um, they're really sending them to our website and that has produced a lot of traffic for us.
0: Nice. Keeping it on the refi front for a moment, last week in, in this episode and just over the course of last week, a lot of discussion amongst our members, uh, the Fannie Freddie 50 basis point refi fee now um, you know, going into effect in, uh, in fundings December 1 and after, so 75 days from now. Uh, You know, just as some of the back and forth of our members, um, you know, many are planning to implement that feedback into their rate sheet soon. Some already have. Some never took it out. Um, You know, I think there is some sense of, you know, some of the companies marketing the fact that, hey, you got a week to lock in your refi before rates go up and this fee gets implemented. What's your whole... Uh, your thoughts on just, uh, do you think we'll see like a wave of refi, like above and beyond even these kind of crazy levels in the, in the back half of September here because of that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we actually have already been seeing this over the course of the last few weeks, um, ever since uh, Fannie and Freddie made the uh, announcement initially, and then yeah, they decided to pull back on the announcement uh, and delay that uh, LLPA. But um, you know we've been seeing that there's been a kind of a ramp up of activity. And whether these, uh, these were borrowers that were already kind of in the pipeline, so they were, they were in lead status, I think that there's more of an er- urgency on our mortgage consultants' part to now press them to lock the loans in, you know, um, just in anticipation that, you know, that the, um, you know, the, the pricing will change, um, you know, over the course of the next few weeks.
0: Excellent. Uh, You noted the election a little earlier. It seems like um, every four years around this time, uh, us in the industry are kind of pontificating about what issues, if any, will make it into like the debate, you know, the general vernacular. Do you think any housing issues will make it like to the debate? I guess that's the ultimate, the most pressing issues. Do you see that making its way into the discussion?
1: Uh. You know, maybe not in a very uh, pronounced way. Um, I think that it's going to start with the handling of COVID. It's going to then bleed um, into things like the economy and unemployment. You know, and those factors in, in, in a way will absolutely influence where the housing market and where the mortgage market really lands. So um, I, do, I don't know if it's going to be as pronounced. I think there's so many other topics on the table for the election. Um, and a lot more polarizing topics at this point. So I I think that it's going to focus on those elements and then really kind of bleed into our industry.
0: As the president of a real estate-owned mortgage company cranking out a couple billion a year, uh, you know, Respa was, you know, you go back seven, eight years ago, uh, was such a, you know, focal point. and it seems like that subsided a little bit. And the last lender I worked for, we pulled out all of our marketing services agreements just before I left over fears that, you know, what could be coming there. It seems like that's calmed down a little bit. Um, is that something that still causes you worry or pause at all? And the election obviously has some weight on that, right? Yeah. You know,
1: um, I, I think that for an, an organization um, like us, you know, we've, our, our real estate brokerage roots go back over 130 years. Um, the mortgage company has been in place for over 35 years. So RESPA has been kind of a, a very, very prevalent um, conversation point. Um, there's a lot of policy structured around that within our organization, um, a lot of training for our real estate agents in, t- in terms of the do's and don'ts. Um, you know, and I do do feel strongly that it continues to be a, um, a, a real focal point. Um, you know, the regulators don't look too kindly to affiliated business structures. Mm-hmm. Um, not, they're not crazy about MSAs, but take the MSAs up a notch and you've got the affiliated you know, business arrangements like us. So, um, you know, it's in our best interest um, to, to really ensure that we're doing everything by the book.
0: So so we're six months in basically to like work from home and, um, you know, how's like just your crew, you know, holding up just in general? I mean, uh, how would you, I guess, define where Trident Mortgage is right now, six months into the new world order?
1: You know, um, I think that our our teams have adapted really well. They reacted very quickly um, to working remotely. Uh, It's been a tough balancing act. Um, I will say that culture and morale is probably the toughest to wrap your arms around as leaders. Um, You know, the the biggest challenge that we've been facing over the last, you know, course of the last, you know, 30 to 45 days is, you know, there's, um, we have a lot of, uh, you know, young parents with young children. Um, You know, a lot of kids, including my own, um, he's completely virtual at this point in time until potentially January. And that kind of adjustment in terms of, you know, load balancing between work and having to now play, um, you know, additional roles at home, whether it's a short order cook, whether it's, uh, you know, teacher, teacher's assistant, um, you know, it's, it, it's a tough balance. And, and I will say it's coming in the face of a lot of volume. Um, you know, I'm proud of our group. They've been able to handle the production that they have. You know, we're hoping to close out two and a half billion to 2.6 this year. Um, And, you know, really doing it with uh, the staffing levels that we've had. But I think that there it has shown that remotely people can be very productive. Um, Onboarding of new employees has been tough, it's been challenging. Um, You know, especially not being able to kind of embrace or, you know, kind of understand. What that what the culture of the company is just at, at the baseline, so um, so that's uh, you know it's it's been interesting. But you know now you're we're in a position where you know because everybody is working remotely, it actually opens up the pool of resources available to you. Not that there's too many resources out there. So um, finding skilled people, it's very ultra competitive right now.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> Um, At this point, I'll pause and just remind everybody, got any comments, questions, anything you have, we strive for these to be interactive. Uh, Feel free to do so on chat and Q&A. We're happy to voice any questions, comments, thoughts on anything we're discussing aloud, thoughts on anything we're not discussing. Uh, My co-host is Marie Guile, the president of Trident Mortgage Services, and also the chief diversity officer for Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. So... Um, what you mentioned just right there, Marie, I think is really the number one concern of our members as it relates to the pandemic is just culture um, and morale. It's been so busy for so long. Uh, I think, like you said, people feel you know productivity has been good and the work from home model has been proven to work for the mortgage industry. If you can figure out a way to keep the culture, the morale, the cohesiveness, it's going to be very interesting to me assuming things get back to normal, God willing, at some point here, um, how, you know, that fork in the road for companies, I think some will stay completely virtual. Um, Some will try to bring people back into the office uh, as much as possible. And I think the majority will be in the middle, but uh, how do you see that flushing out? If you had to, you know, predict, you fast forward two, three years from now and no more pandemics or lingering pandemics. What the, my assessment was that about 15, 20% of the operational workforce of mortgage lenders was remote, uh, like earlier this year. A lot of it was underwriters. How do you see that playing out into the future?
1: Yeah, we were probably running probably less than 10% remote at the beginning of the year. Um, You know, and I think that we as a company, you know, we, um, you know, we really feel highly, um, very strongly about the culture and teamwork and banding together as a team. And that gets a little tricky when you're um, doing it, when you're not face to face for one thing. So, um, it, it, you know, it's hard to kind of derive like the emotion that people are feeling, being able to kind of uh, touch people immediately, let them know it's okay. So um, I I think it's a challenge, but I do see kind of going forward, if we're going to look out in three to four years, I think that this will be somewhat the norm. I think that it'll be more of a hybrid model for us. Um, I expect maybe 40% to 50% will be back in the offices. Um, and I think that this allows us to really be flexible as employers, right? So it's something that we're, you know, we're, we're kind of, uh, you know, setting aside the traditional beliefs of having your staff right then and there. But people have proven that they can work very, very efficiently from home. And at, at the end of the day, you have to kind of figure out what's what's your goal here, right? So if the goal here is to be as productive as possible, and you've got great people that can handle it and do it, so be it. Um, Certain functions probably are best served working in a team environment where they can physically see people. Um, So I I do see that three to four years out for now, we're probably going to be operating in that hybrid model. Um, I will say at this point in time, uh, the discussion for returning back into the offices is not not an active discussion at this point. We are looking as an organization to probably uh, have those conversations maybe in January, January, February, and see where we're at. Um, you know, you have to see kind of where we are with COVID. Are we going to have a second wave, um, first and foremost? Secondly, you know, again, in consideration of those parents that have children that are in school, a lot of the schools are virtual until January. So, um, you know, so we really wanted to not create additional stress with our staff by having these kinds of conversations. Hey, are you interested in going back to the office? Um, I think that, you know, you know, given the state of um, stress, um, just because of volume right now, we, we didn't feel it was a really good conversation to have right now.
0: Right. Enough things to worry about and juggle and balance outside Absolutely. of, you know, potentially too early returns to the office and all that goes along with that. I mean, I remember we were doing on TMC Connect in June, a series of sessions on you know like getting prepared to return to the office that's when things the numbers are starting to get better they unfortunately reversed but it seems like a lot of lenders were thinking about it at that point right now like you're you just uh, i think most of like yeah forget it like we'll wait till the calendar flips and see what the hell's going on
1: yeah and you know the other thing to consider too is that you know um you know there's a the derived cost savings if you look out three to four years and you project that only a percentage of your staff is coming in. I mean, we have like today we're sitting on a lot of excess fees, you know. So, um, so that's kind of a you know kind of a cost savings um, consideration for a lot of lenders.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I want to get into your new role. So, in addition to being the president of China Mortgage Services, you were recently named the chief diversity officer for Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. Congratulations! That's a great honor, Marie.
1: Thank you. Uh, yeah, that, this is uh, for our local organization. It's for uh, the Fox and Roach uh, real estate side. So um, it really extends to uh, Fox and Roach, uh, which is our real estate arm, um, Trident Mortgage, Trident uh, Land Title, and Trident Insurance. So it's it's our kind of all four of our companies. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's 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 quite interesting how the role kind of evolved. Um, I had launched the diversity inclusion uh, program within the mortgage company probably about three years back. So we've been kind of building and building that foundation for uh, a few years now. And um, I had elected a diversity and inclusion council to kind of support that initiative. Um, We've gotten, we started hiring several people to really kind of uh, do more community engagement. So um, we were were doing more outreach within our communities. And then even uh, with that, we were looking to hire a more diversified um, employee base. So those are some of the um, the big objectives. It was also really around kind of creating more awareness on the topic. And then with that, um, given the current climate, um, we decided as an organization to take what we built in mortgage company and extend it across all of our all of our operating companies.
0: That's awesome, and kudos to you guys for having uh, you know done the legwork these last three years to put yourself in a position to do some of the things you're doing now. It, uh, not just in our industry, but just in life in general. It seems like so much needed change doesn't come until you have things happen like have happened this year. Um, and now, as I've noted you a couple times, like we have a, a lot of our lenders that are trying to figure it out. Like if you own, you know, a mortgage company that's not as big as Trident, do you need a chief diversity officer? Where do you go to find that person? Is it an internal candidate? What should the chief objectives of that role be? How should it be structured? Um, Any just, you know, I threw a lot of things out there, but, uh, and I know we have a session that you, thankfully, you know, agreed to help lead in a few weeks on this topic. But um, any general words of advice for that lender that's sitting out there, um, you know, trying to figure out if they need the role? And uh, if so, um, you know, how to how to structure it?
1: Yeah, I think that there has to be kind of more of an internal assessment as to what's your starting point. So if you're starting at ground zero, and you haven't um, put a lot of teeth onto this topic. Um, I would suggest probably hiring somebody and looking, there, are, there are, are a lot of qualified people out there. Even if you just start with hiring a consultant, just to, um, you know, NAMBA, like any, any of those groups, you, they could provide consultants to help you in your assessment of where are you today and where, where do you need to be. Um, consultants can also help you in establishing milestones. Um, so I, I would say, it, even if if you're if you're still hesitant in terms of identifying dedicated people for this, then start with a consultant. Um, my I would say say this, and I, I'm in a in a very unique situation, and I'm not sure it's the most um, if it's something I would advise people to do. But if you can uh, pony up the funds and 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 hire dedicated resources to this. Um, There is a lot of work to be done here, Uh, so much work. And what we started finding with with the Trident Mortgage Company, when we started this three years ago, it just morphed into something so big. Um, And we have people, now we have several people that have um, full-time jobs other than being dedicated to the council to support the initiatives. So they're doing a lot of this other legwork on the side but we also have dedicated people that are really completely focused to this um, in in the mortgage company. So um, as we're kind of building the framework for our real estate arm and for our other um, core services, you know, we're we're trying to get people engaged at this point. It takes an army of people to move to something of this scale and something so significant. So if you want to get traction, you got to have people who have the passion for it, uh, people who could afford the time for it. Um, you know, and I, I, do, I do think over time, you know, for me personally, you know, this is something that I would probably hand the baton over. I'm, I'm here to architect for the solution today and, and really set the framework for the next few years. But, you know, at some point in time, and this is a conversation I've had internally, you turn the baton over to somebody who could really, really dedicate themselves full time to this. You really need a team to do it as well.
0: you trying to say being the president of a mortgage company uh keeps you busy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> this year, only slightly.
0: <laughs> well, you know, the one thing I would say, just my general observations, is that, you know, I think you have a lot of companies out there talking about this right now, but it really does take a genuine commitment, you know, from the top down, institutionally and organizationally, to uh really uh diversify your staff and um to, um, you know, to create uh, diversity and inclusion initiatives within your firm. I, you know, I think the one thing that we hear a lot from our members is I want to diversify my staff. I want to hire diverse candidates, but, you know, I open uh, roles and there's no applicants that, that are diverse. What, what would you say to that, that comment? You know, I, I,
1: there's a, you know, a, a, A few different things, Um, you know, I I think that it's also, you know, you you can do things such as like reaching out to your, the colleges within your communities, right? You could ask them for more diversified candidates to, you know, possibly be recruits to your company. You could um, work with your recruiters. I mean, we work with, um, you know, third party recruiters. And one of the things that we're looking to do is we're looking for them to basically redact information with regards to the candidate's name, um, you know, where they live and so forth. And that way all you're really getting as a, as a possible employer, you know, you're, you're just getting a resume with um, their background um, and yeah, and their experience. And that way you can kind of select people based off of that criteria out, out of the gate. And there's not no unconscious biasness there when it comes to candidates. So, you know, I think that there's a whole lot of things that could be done more from an HR and recruiting perspective. Um, we're fortunate in our area, we were able to really, really diversify, um, you know, not just our operations team, but our sales team as well. Um, and we've been uh, making a very, very, uh, you know, um, we've been looking at that uh, with a keen eye. I would suggest for a lot of companies too, as you're, you're looking to um, create more diversity and inclusion awareness within your company—it's it, highly important that you don't uh, steer away from the conversation. So you've got to really, really look—you um, know—introspectively and see where are you as a company, and be very re- real and truthful about it. And if you don't feel that your um, company or your culture is not diverse enough, you need to raise your hand and say it. Um, and you've got to get people to rally around it, and you've got—you have to get people to feedback on it.
0: And that's, you know, in this show each week, we've been trying to hit on some of the positives that we feel will come of this whole, you know, pandemic madness this year. And one of them to me is just I think people feel more comfortable speaking their mind um, in general, um, employees and on topics that are the most important, you know. Um, so, uh, hopefully that is one of the positive net results of this is that, you know, in general, in America, we have more of a culture where people feel free to speak their mind without repercussion. And, uh, that's how, you know, issues get elevated to the people that ultimately make the decision. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. And, and there's a lot of deep emotion around these topics for a lot of people. Um, so I think that it's a healthy conversation to have. And as I said, you can't steer, steer away from it
0: got a few minutes left uh, before we depart. I want to get your thoughts on a topic that came up last week. Uh, Kate Takea was co-hosting. We're getting into the real estate side of the real estate finance business and what the future of the realtor and real estate brokerage model might look like. Um, You know, first question, like right now, especially, I think things were trending this way already, but Like I'm looking to buy a house at some point in the next year now, and you know, doing everything online, obviously. Um, Does the fact that and people are doing virtual showings, they're buying homes without even stepping in them in some cases. Do you feel like that's a trend that will continue? And um, you know, this more online home shopping model. uh, Do you feel like it poses uh, any threat to the current? Kind of real estate brokerage model.
1: Uh, no, I, I currently today I don't think it does just because you know realtors are also viewed highly as advisors, and you know, and buying a home is the probably it's it's a it's a milestone, it's a highlight in in anybody's lifetime, and there's a lot of sensitivity emotion that goes into buying a home. So I do feel that the, the the real estate agent is still an anchor in the process, and they're needed in the process. Um, it's still a high service, high touch industry. Um, I will say what is what is really interesting though is the amount of conversations I had with realtors, um, even through the months of March and April and May. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the very successful ones were closing homes. They were settling on. Um, on their on on either the list side or the buy side, sight unseen. So in other words, the the buyers didn't even go into the home to even look at the home. So they're buying on the basis of the virtual, you know, tours. Um, so it's pretty interesting. I think that, you know, the real estate industry, you know, you have the people that are technology inclined, but you also have the people that are not so inclined. And they've had to adjust as well. No different than all of us having to adjust to Zoom. They're adjusting to showing their clients through FaceTime, walking through a house. You know, um, it, this is what the house looks like. So I, I think that there's going to be a um, you know even more of a push for technology across the board. Um, you know, with um, very you know varying degrees of technology inclination, and um, I think that people are going to end up being forced down that path. Um, it's just the way of the world. Um, you, you're also finding there's there's a lot of people that are relocating. So they're relocating out of the cities at this point. You know they're they're you know they're they may be a far you know cry from where um, they're looking to relocate. I and mean, some some people are looking to relocate out of state totally because now it's a remote world. So um, you know real estate will be really dependent on technology going forward. One of the things that
0: came up last week too is just NAR has done an incredible job, in my opinion. Just you know through messaging and commercials and just emboldening the, uh, the role and the importance of the realtor. And uh, maybe not a good time right now for MBA to get into this. Uh, I would imagine this year has maybe affected them a little financially like it has a lot of, a lot of companies. but uh, I would love to see something in the mortgage industry like that. I feel like you know even to this day, we're now 13 years removed from the mortgage meltdown. I really feel with young people, unless I just know all jerks, there are still some negative connotations with the mortgage industry um, that stem back from, from what happened over a dozen years ago.
1: Yeah. And part of it is trying to elevate your, your teams, right? Um, and get them into the mindset that you truly are consultants, you're advisors. You know, they, are, they are making one of the biggest purchases of their lifetime. So, um, you know, we really tout ourselves and pride ourselves in our ability to really, um, you know, pre-qualify a customer and ensuring that we can pull that through uh, from a credit perspective. Um, You know, we pride ourselves on very little fallout, um, very little declinations, because it's, it's highly important once you get that consumer in, you know, that you can kind of take them through the course of the process and be successful at the end and you know and help celebrate with them when they're finally in that home so um you know we we, we view it as a, a very personal um you know a personal part of a um of a borrower's lifetime so um you know in, in when you remind your staff of that um they they elevate their game
0: absolutely well we're out of time marie thank you so much really enjoyed your insight a number of uh really pertinent topics thank you uh for joining me today
1: i appreciate it and for everything
0: you've done for the network these last several years really really appreciate it so
1: i love the network
0: (laughs) so (laughs) thank you marie and thank you to everybody that took some time out with us Uh, have a great afternoon everyone and uh see you same, same time same place next week take care thank you